0: If you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up quick. Pastor John will get you a Bible. Turn to John chapter 15. We are taking some time and looking at these great words in which Christ lays down what does it really look like to be a Christian. What what are the aspects of Christianity for us today? And what does it look like to be a follower of His? And I wanted to today... Have my first words say that, and I do this often, I'll come up with a word. I wanted to say that this is breathtaking. What we're dealing with today is breathtaking. It's, it's here's my word, unbelievable. I was going to say the word breathtaking. But as we look at this, and as we study this, we are going to see that as we go deeper, it's not breathtaking. Listen to this, it's giving even though that's not really a word, you've got to hyphenate there, breath giving. This doesn't take our breath away, it gives us. And please listen to me. If there is anyone here that deals with depression, anger, anxiety, emotional stress, please listen. What we are looking at is the greatest thing that dissolves those issues. So if you have any kind of struggle, any kind of angst within you, what we're looking at dilutes and dissolves that. It's breath-giving. And it's a beautiful thing when just one word and one preposition orientates your heart away from the bondage of anxiety, suffering, and fear to be liberated to Him. And we're going to look at a word. So turn to John we We've been looking at what Jesus says here. Let me read this section again. John 15, verses 4 through 12, we've been looking at. And our verse today is 11. Verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown to the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in His love. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. We've been looking at a few words. We've been looking at the word remain. Over and over it says, remain, abide, dwell, stay. Christ says, remain, dwell with me. Don't just be a part of me, but stay with me, abide. Obey is another word. Bear fruit. But we've been looking at joy. I've been slowing down because this word is huge. It's so important. It's breath-giving. It's interesting, as the famous passage in Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And as a kid, I always thought, it's this. We as Christians should be joyful, bubbly, have a nice button-up shirt, walk around with smiles, and eat candy and be like, Woo! Jesus loves me. That's not what this is about. It says, it's not joy in the Lord. Listen to the preposition. It's of. It's the joy of the Lord. It doesn't say It's joy. We're supposed to have joy and that walk around and be happy. And just if you're in prison like Placido, just be happy and everything's good, like the song from the 80s. Be happy. No, it's not that. It's the joy of the Lord is your strength. That really caused me to pause and think. It's not that we can conjure up joy and be happy as Christians. There is joy in the Lord. But this verse says it's his joy, his happiness, his blessedness. Is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy, it belongs to him. It's a part of him. He is joy. So write this down. He is the source of our joy first. The Lord is the source of our joy. And that's what we looked at last week. This one preposition of, not in, provides. A potent drug against any depression, any anxiety, any fear. It's not that we have this joy that we have to conjure up, it's the Lord's work. The joy of the Lord, that is our strength. That's what we looked at last week. Here's what I said The joy that we are to experience is first and foremost His joy a joy into which we enter into you, then we make much of God. We bring him glory in doing so. God is joy. As I read last week, Augustine said, the Lord is our sovereign joy. What a great title. When we see that joy is his joy, that he is joy, then when circumstances come, here's something I push all the time. When circumstances come, hard, hard issues, financial issues, stress, marriage issues, all the stuff, that job, you just want to let us quit. When circumstances come, when we feel like we're in prison, because so many times we put ourselves in our own prisons, when we see that he's the source of joy, then here it is. We don't let circumstances dictate how we worship. Instead, we let worship dictate how we live in our circumstances. Because he is joy. No matter what you're going through, if you try to equalize your circumstance to joy that you have, you can't do it. But when you realize that he is a source of joy, he is joy, we let worship then dictate how we live in our circumstances. Instead of circumstances dictating how we worship God. But it's hard. It's difficult. John 16, 22. Here's what Jesus says. So with you, John 16, 22. Turn, turn a page over. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. You will have joy. And no one will take away your joy. Joy is constant. Because he is constant. It comes from within us because he lives within us. As Christians, we have joy not just because we're religious and we're bubbly. It's because he's the source of our joy. John fifteen eleven. Take a look at this verse. It's profound. If Here, sorry, I was reading the wrong verse here. I, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy, his joy, may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. And we miss out on that. Because we think it's all about our joy, how much we can get. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. But what does this look like? How do we really get this in us? turn to my favorite chapter of the Bible, which is what? Romans Romans 8. There we go. I love it. Some of you are like, okay, I'll memorize that someday. I remember working through this and memorizing it and just there's something when you dig and put your fingers in the Word and you you, you hear something and you take time and you meditate, you chew on it. Uh, Starting with verse 12, Romans 8. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. I remember hearing that going... Fear? Why fear? Because in so many ways, that's the opposite of joy. Those who are in bondage, those who are all, have fear. And we all will have fear. And it's the choice in your circumstance. When you see something, what kind of fear will you have? The fear of man, that trusts in things that will fail you, and in the end, death? Or you see something, a circumstance comes, and you'll have fear of the Lord, and you trust in Him. Those are those who are called to be sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. You are His, and by that we cry, Abba, Father. We are ones to have joy, because He is the object of joy. If the object of fear is man... You'll be desperate, weary, and struggle. But if the object of your fear is the Lord, you will put your trust in him, and there will be life. But again, what are we to do with all this? Last week I said one of my greatest sorrows as a pastor, this is huge here, one of my greatest sorrows as a pastor for you would be this. When people think there is more joy and satisfaction in earthly things than in God. My greatest sorrow is not that you don't come to church, not that you don't dress right or well, you look at me. My greatest sorrow isn't that you, you have all your ducks in a row. My greatest sorrow is this, that you would think that there's greater satisfaction outside of the Lord and you follow those things and you miss out you think that there's greater joy and satisfaction in things other than God? Or, as C.S. Lewis wrote, in fact, in your bulletin it's written out, so take a look at your bulletin on one the back, it's written out, it's pretty lengthy here. Take a look at this and we'll see a little video clip after I read this. This is how C.S. Lewis penned this out. Okay? So take a look, it's on the back. Listen to this. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly hope for the enjoyment is a bad thing, I submit this notion that has crept from Kant, who is a philosopher, and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Basically, saying some people think that having real joy isn't something we should follow after. It's like that's, that's foolishness. Look at what he says here. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires, look at this, not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and a mission. When infinite joy is offered to us. Like like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation, a holiday, by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This little video clip is the same thing being read. Look at this.
1: If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the reward's promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased.
0: do I settle for playing with toys? Isn't that foolish? You think, oh, it's a little kid, and it's a man playing with toys. Why do we think that we can find true satisfaction in things that offer us nothing? Emptiness. And God in His greatness is joy. The joy of the Lord. He is joy. And we go around trying to satisfy ourselves with toys. Why don't I renounce these foolish things that I think are satisfying, which really give me burns in the mouth? We are ignorant children when God has offered us such greatness in Christ. Does the Lord really find our desires for Him not too strong but too weak? What are our passions? What, what do we talk about all the time? I wrote some of these down. Do we spend the most time, the most money, the most affection, the most things that control your thoughts and energies? What, are, what is that? If, I, if you're a big social network person, if I go to your Facebook, what's the number one thing that you post about? Is that really the number one thing of your life? What is it that controls us? Here's the issue. The issue is that we run not in the passions, because it's okay to have passions, but the path that we choose our passion. We think there's other things that we can have to find true joy. We desire the wrong things to fill our passions, to satisfy our joy. God has made you to be a passionate person. God has put within you many passions. I'm the kind of guy that's got 30 passions. Some of you who know me, yeah, he does. He's given me those passions, not so I can be focused on those passions, but that those passions would drive me to the Lord so that he would be my number one passion. And thus, I would find his joy. And there's where I would have great, true, pure happiness. The problem is that we seek joy in places that provide emptiness, disappointment, and death. Or as Sam Storm says, I wrote this down, he says, sin is the misguided and selfish determination to seek happiness in places where ultimately only emptiness and disillusion are found. We are too easily pleased, C.S. Lewis said. Our cravings turn out to be nothing less than emptiness and dust. So please write this down. God offers us infinite joy. God offers us infinite joy while we are prone to seek infinite gratification. God offers us infinite joy while we are prone to seek infinite gratification. It's like this. I brought this cooler here, and when I walked in, someone said, Oh, goodies for me? And I just smiled and said, No. Not because I wanted to be selfish, but I thought this would be bad. I put in this cooler, something that's been in my freezer for a while. Well, I better keep it closed for now. Those of you who do crab fishing know that crab-like nasty things... So what I do is before a cookout or something, if I have a steak or some chicken or something gets bad in the fridge, some rancid meat, I package it up in some Ziploc bags and put it in the freezer because crabs like rancid, gross, disgusting things. So in here, I'll open up for a short time. This here is sealed up. multiple. I'm not going to open it now because you'll be very glad I don't do this. But there is nasty, rancid meat in here. Disgusting meat. How nummy nummy, says Gordy. That's what happens when you drink too much coffee. How many of you would love to eat this today? Not a single person. Thank you. I'm glad. As we'd sit with you and talk with a doctor, you'd have issues, okay? This would kill you. This is I'm gonna put it away because it's starting to smell. <laughs> this is rancid meat. Why do we sometimes, we're so prone to go to these impotent pleasures, these things that don't provide anything. Why would you eat rancid meat when the Lord, in his way, in his word, offers you the greatest buffet ever in the history of time? So I brought, not a great buffet, but I brought this great cookbook. This is from Rose Cargis, the desserts. This is one of those old cookbooks. Oh, kebabs, lamb main dishes. Why would you choose a cooler of rancid meat when God offers you the great buffet, which is joy, happiness, pleasure? Why? Because we are far too easily pleased. We love other things. John 15. I have told you this so that my joy, this is the Lord speaking, that His joy, which is pure, pleasure, happiness, goes beyond anything we can comprehend. I have told you this So that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. Dear Christian, listen to this. In Christ, we have his joy. In Christ, our joy may be complete. And that is truth. Now, does that mean we do not follow other things? Is it wrong for a Christian to seek pleasure? No. In fact, I'm learning this. It's just the opposite. In fact, Christians should seek pleasure. First, thing I think, uh, you're saying the wrong thing. Well, here's the thing. Within the confines of what the Lord says, absolutely, because He is joy. He is pleasure, not these other foolish things that are sin. Some people think when I say seek pleasure, you're thinking, oh, those bad things. No, because that's this bad right in here it will kill you but the Lord says I offer you true pleasure true happiness true joy and that results in praise and glory the Lord did not want you to be a sad Christian it's amazing how many churches you walk in it's kind of like groupy faces it's time to worship smile here we are the Lord has called us to have joy and that joy to be complete And we are to have pleasure in Him. We are in Christ. The problem is we seek pleasure in the wrong places. May we not love the things of this world, just like everyone around us. Instead, we are to turn from the lesser blessings and turn to Him as the main blessings. I have many joys. I'm not to ignore my needs, my longings, But I find completeness in Christ. Does that mean I never climb another mountain? No. I find great joy in that. Some of you do not find joy in that. If I would rope you up and say, let's go a mountain, you would rather die. In fact, you might die on a mountain. I find joy not because of the mountain per se, because of what that mountain speaks of. When I get up there, I love quoting Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. I'm up there. And all you little ants are down there. I'm like, this is great. The heavens declare the glory of God. I have passions of hunting and fishing. But if they become number two in my life, i got a problem. Again, God should be number one, number two, number three, God's number four, and number five. Number six is my marriage, then ministry, and all these other things. But if God becomes... Number one, and let's say my marriage number two, I tell you what, that gets so close and I get so confused. When I'm out there hunting and fishing, I can easily go, oh, you're number one, but boy, this is great too. There's nothing wrong with having passions. Like I said, some people like golfing. I don't know, that's not a passion. That to me may be a sickness, but we'll talk about that later. But if that's your passion, may it lead you to worship him. In fact, God has given you passions so that you have these things and rejoice in him, but may they not distract you, may they not turn you, but may they point you to him. Let's look at a, cute, a few passages in scripture Psalm 16. Turn to Psalm 16. <laughs> Again, I said last week, this should be written on every hobby of yours. If you have a hobby, if you, if you like little Lionel trains. Put this verse on your hobby. If you like quilting, put this on your hobby box. If you like organs, put this on your organ. If you like fly fishing, put this on. If you like golfing, get rid of golfing. just kidding. Put this. If you like sports, if you're watching sports all the time, put this on your TV. This should be the guide of all the hobbies and joys. If you love cooking and baking, come to my house. We'll hang out, okay? If you love all this stuff, put this verse on there. Psalm 1619. Psalm 1619. Psalm sixteen eleven. sorry, Psalm 1611. I'm thinking of nineteen eleven. Sorry, my brain's going here. Oh, this is so great. You have made known to me the path of life. Listen to this. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In his presence is what? joy. So I can fly fish in his presence and have joy. Well, I love catching fish. I'm not a catch and release guy because I like to eat, but I love catching, holding them, and I can find joy and pleasure in the Lord in that. Because he's my first joy, and my second joy, and my third joy. He is number one. His presence, in his presence is what? The fullness of joy. He fills me with joy in his presence and the second one, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forever. He is my number one. Let me read this paragraph. I read this this week. It's out of, for the fame of God's name. We must also be clear about the meaning of this joy that is so central. We are talking about a deep, not superficial, a durable, it sustains you in the worst times, no less than the best times, delight, not mere duty, following God out of a sense of moral obligation or by the law, i got to do it, in the splendor of God. Not the stuff of goodies or achievement that occupies so many that utterly ruins you for anything else. Because you're so fixated on the beauty and the joy of God, and it fills you in that, and you find life. It is a whole soul savoring of the spiritual sweetness of Jesus that drives you out of the competing pleasures that leads the soul to the rest. Content with the knowledge of God and the blessings of intimacy with Him. This is the kind of joy, rather than being dependent on material and physical comfort, that actually frees you from the bondage to its liberties, from the sinful reliance of worldly conveniences and the gadgets of gold. Sandstorms. We, in His presence, find true joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 63. Turn to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. May the Lord not find our passions too weak, but that they would be strong. May this be you. O oh God. You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. We find satisfaction in him. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Famous passage that we know of because it was turned into a song. We sing it back in the old days. As the deer pants for the streams of water, my soul pants, longs for you, O God look at me. May your passions be reorientated to him because he is the source of joy. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet you? Is that your desire? And of course, one of my favorites, Psalm 34, I just turned a couple pages back. Psalm 34, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Hear and have joy. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are Um, No, they're radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. One of my favorite ones here, this poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It sounds good when you're in happy times, but can you say that when you're struggling? Paul in prison, turn to Philippians. Paul who's in prison. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord. Have joy in the Lord. Rejoice! Why would you say that? Because he knows that the source of joy comes from the Lord. Philippians 3.1, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. And this comes from a prisoner. Why? Because those who find Christ... Those who find this great treasure and not this rancid meat truly have joy. And all these other passions that you may have, those will be like nothings compared to the beauty that you find in him. Well, Jesus even talks about that. Turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Forty-four. listen to this the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought just so he could have that God's greatness is so profound that all that you have, all these earthly things, all these kingdoms, world, can dissolve. They're nothing compared to the beauty that we have in Christ. I was recently on Craigslist. Someone had something I wanted. So I thought, hey, I have no money. I truly don't have any money. My daughter has more cash than I do. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to be able to buy this, but would you trade for something? I've got hunting and some military stuff. Or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, this is something I really like. I don't have $100. And we were talking back and forth. If I truly wanted it, I would ask what he said. He said, well, do you have any guns or rifles? And I went, I'm not going to reply to that. Because what I have is more valuable than $100. No, I'm not going to trade for that. No, I'm not one of those guys that are going to be duped into that. But if it's something I truly wanted, everything. Listen, all of your desires that you have, they are made so that you can be, see Christ more. The passions you have with your marriage, that whole purpose is so you can see and be passionate for God more. The passion you have for work, can that even be possible? yes. It's designed so that you will be passionate more for the Lord. His joy in us is the one thing that dissolves all other fears, depression, anxiety, and worries. When we have His joy in us, it's the treasure that we would say, Get rid of all this other stuff. I will not eat the rancid meat anymore. I will turn to your great buffet and feast on the beauty of God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to this. The joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus, even in the midst of suffering, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How did he endure suffering, tribulation, anxiety, possible depression? No, he didn't have those because he had the joy. His joy. The joy set before him. So I say this infinite joy comes when our main passion is God. So, very simple, church. May your main passion be God. Yes, you can walk around and have other passions. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when they become very close to God and become idols, get rid of them, burn them, throw them away, trash it. God should be your number one passion. And when we get fixated and so on God. Then, in our circumstances, worship dictates how we live in our circumstances instead of letting circumstances dictate how we live and how we worship the Lord. So be passionate. Be fixated on God. Let me end with this. Probably the most famous passage in all of Scripture besides John three sixteen, Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23. As you're turning, I'm going to read a song that as when I was just into college, this came out. I'm an 80s rocker guy. If you saw pictures of me with my long hair and mullet, you'd be surprised and pray. But once in a while, just probably because of my Christian heritage and upbringing, certain types of music I stu- stuck with me. There's a female artist. Her name is Twyla Paris. Probably not that known to most people. She had this song when I was in college. This is when it all became clear. Listen to this. Very simple. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not falter, I will not faint. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my shepherd, I am not afraid. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He will uphold me. All of my days, I am surrounded by mercy and grace, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will not waver walking by faith. He will be strong to deliver me safe. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So today, in your passions, in your anxiety, in your marriage that's just, you don't know what's going to happen, turn to the Lord. Find joy in Him. He is your strength. Or as so written, long ago and so beautiful, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because He is joy. And He wants you to have joy in Him. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my evil, my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, don't eat the rancid meat. Feast on the bounty and the beauty of God. He is joy he is freedom for the joy of the Lord is my strength let's pray